Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Alan Parry podcast where I talk to fascinating people and then let you listen in. Today I'm talking to Sarah Ludford and we'll be talking about something very dear to my heart, non-violent communication. Now non-violent communication was devised by a man called Marshall Rosenberg and it's a philosophy that I've genuinely found life-changing in my own life so I can't wait to share it with you. Sarah trained with Marshall directly and now teaches others about non-violent communication so I was really excited to talk to her so without further ado listen in now to Sarah Ludford. Hello welcome Sarah thanks very much for coming on the podcast I'm delighted to have you on. Hi there Alan. And we're going to be talking today about something called non-violent communication and I'm, pl- I'm pleased to be talking to you because this is something that over the past, say, 18 months I've, I've tried to bring into my life. Um, I'm not always successful, obviously, but I, I, I try and bring it in as much as possible. And you're an expert in non-violent communication, so I, I wanted you to explain to people just to, as a kind of beginning point, what actually is non-violent communication and why should people who consider themselves as already not violent pay any attention to it? Okay. Um, so first of all, I would, I, I, when I hear the word expert, I kind of, I get a bit of a, a jolt through me because uh, one of the things that I try to do is to shift away from from any kind of labels, because um, labels for me have a set that it's a sense that they separate me from somebody else that I'm an expert and somebody else isn't okay because I'm still I'm still learning you know and I I do my I'm a certified trainer um with the center for Nonviolent communication and I've spent a lot of years and put a lot of time and energy into trying to really um focus on how I think about things and how I how I speak about things um but I still make mistakes. I still I still do things in a way that I'm um, not really happy with. So, yeah. So I wanted to say that first. Yeah, because that's actually so, that's probably something that will come up actually, isn't it? That yeah. that the guy who was behind all this, Marshall Rosenberg, that was one of his teachings that we didn't label each other for good or bad. So that's I, right. I've started off really well there, Sarah. <laughs> <I>? <laughs> well, it started off with a, with a great a great example. Yes. Um, so that yeah, so your question, what exactly is it, and why why should we pay attention to it? it it's a it's a an off-putting name. Some people well, some people find the name off-putting, but Marshall Rosenberg, who um, developed this process, he very much felt the name was important because the consciousness or the the mindset that he was trying to share with people was had its roots in non-violence. So the work of Gandhi and the work of Martin Luther King. And nonviolence, the word nonviolence is a translation, um, a kind of translation from the Sanskrit word ahimsa, which translates something like a state of heart where we have no enemies. Right. So we might see ourselves as as a nonviolent, you know, we would never, never raise a hand to anyone. Um, we try and act peacefully um and yet we still have enemies in our heart we still see people as bad and wrong and make judgments about them and feel that we have to um fight against things whereas this state of heart where i have no enemies it's not about just lying down and giving up and and letting yourself be walked over but it's about approaching 
things with with love in your heart so even if i'm standing up for something that that's important to me that i will approach people with love i mean i've just recently watched um a video on facebook of a black man wearing a free hugs t-shirt in, in america at the moment where the the riots are happening and a video of him hugging a, a police officer and then talking to the black protesters who were outraged at his behavior and trying to get across to them this idea that we that we if we label people if we um if we say that every police officer is the same just because one police officer has acted in the same way then we're, we're just creating more and more kind of hate and violence yeah and it's a really challenging thing that i think that's one of the things that i've i've kind of struggled with because i know certainly in my life i've been quite a politically active person and and these things that marshall rosenberg refers to as enemy images is something yeah. i really recognize about myself that i see the other side as as bad or callous or selfish or, or or some kind of you know pejorative label like that and i've i've fa- that's been one of my challenges really to 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 see people who have a very different point of view even a, even a view that i would maybe interpret as selfish or mean mm. or or mean spirited to kind of um respond to them in a different way to try and to try and f- to try and understand what what their needs are because this is what Marshall Rosenberg talked about, didn't he? You know, talked about connecting human beings with each other's feelings and needs. And I've found that a real challenge to connect with somebody else's feelings and needs when I think they're being mean spirited. Yeah, it, it can be. It can be very challenging. And and I'm, I'm aware we've kind of gone right in at the deep end, Alan. So I'm going <laughs> to come back. You're mentioning feelings and needs, and I'm going to come back to. Um, sort of some of the the basics of of this process called nonviolent communication because it's 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 a process language it's a way of of um communicating and uh, which is supported by just taking a little bit more time to just to think about what we're saying um and what other people are trying to say so marshall um and and some of the people who've developed mvc since then have have kind of suggested that we make various assumptions with nonviolent communication and one of the assumption is assumptions is that everything that anyone does or says is an attempt to meet a human need and these needs are things that we all have in common and so focusing on the needs can help us create connection where previously there might have been conflict or these enemy images so all human beings, we all need food to eat. Let's get to the real basics. We yeah. all need water. Yeah. We all need shelter. Um, we also all need acceptance. We need to have some sense of belonging somewhere. Um, we need communication. We need fun. We need learning. We need uh, adventure. And there's a whole host of of, of needs that we have in common and and i'm hoping that uh, well i'm trusting actually that and you know anyone listening to this that they'll resonate with those words because you know the the assumption is that all human beings have these needs in common and if we start to think okay well everything anyone does or says and it is an attempt to meet a need if i make that assumption then this person doing this thing that is abhorrent to me or you know i can't understand why why they would want to do it if I can ask myself, well, what 
you know, what 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 are they trying? What need are they trying to meet? I don't necessarily like the way they're trying to do it, but why are they doing that thing? And if I can get to the need and kind of go, oh, okay, they, ah, they, maybe they want, maybe this person is trying to belong, or maybe this person is wanting safety, or maybe they're just trying to get understood. I still don't have to like the behavior. So it's not about just lying down and, and it's it's not about accepting everything. I don't I still don't have to like the behavior, but my heart opens a little bit. I can see their humanity and I'm much more confident then of being able to have a dialogue with that person rather than just coming in opposition and trying to stop them through being against. Yeah, I mean it's interesting you say that because a, a few podcasts ago, um I deliberately had a, a a big long conversation like this with someone who is diametrically opposed to me on the political scale. It's someone who's who's on the libertarian right, based in the, uh, in the United States, and okay. I was trying to really in that interview see if I could do the whole NVC thing with someone who I would have traditionally regarded as a political opponent. And one of the things that came out for me was that some of the things, some of the belief systems that I really railed against, I could see by opening my heart in that conversation Mm -hmm. that she was actually trying to satisfy a lot of the same needs that I was, but just using very, very different strategies and very different approaches. But I I feel a real warmth to that person where I think without using these techniques, she would have been part of my enemy image. Mm. It sounds like you were able to sort of see her humanity a bit more by by trying to understand her in a different way oh absolutely and it was it was key that i was using these you know thinking about well what she need in here so for instance she started off um talking about being very angry towards people who were on welfare and and explained why so really that would have got my hackles up initially Mm -hmm. but i was able to say to her okay so you're feeling irritated because you have a need for fairness and contribution um and and so in the, in that sense i could actually see that i have a need for fairness that she shared but we were just kind of our buttons were getting pressed around that yeah. need for fairness in a different way but the underlying need was exactly the same and it was quite enlightening really to to see that we were coming at the world from different needs but yeah, but for, sorry, from the same needs, but just in a different way. Yes. I mean, that was something that Marshall um, used to say, and, and I've really found borne out in my own life, is that there's no conflict on the level of needs. We have these needs in common, so you're talking about the needs for fairness and contribution. We can we can all kind of relate to those. Yeah. It's, it's the strategies that we use that where the conflict comes in. And too often what happens is that I... Um, I come in with my strategy and you come in with your strategy and we never explore at the needs level. Whereas what um, one of the invitations in in MVC is to is to let's get connected at the needs level. Let's see each other's humanity and and understand that actually we 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 probably want the same things. And then when we've got connected, then let's talk about, okay, how are we going to do this in a way that actually takes care of everybody? So it doesn't have to be my way or your way or my way or the highway. It's like, okay, so let's get, let's find that point of connection first. And then let's see what, what's the solution, what's the solution that will work for everyone or for the, for more people. 
Yeah, because that that was that was a powerful thing for me when I realised that this was a way in which all needs can get met, or certainly that was the whole point of it, wasn't it? To try and see if you can get everyone's needs on the table, and from that point on, a solution could could kind of emerge, which ensures that everybody's needs get met rather than having to be winners and losers. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and and you know, and I know that we're we're talking on a sort of um, a fairly fi- sort of philosophical level here. And actually, there are, there are also, you know, the way that Marshall designed um, nonviolent communication, there are also very simple steps that anyone can use. Could, you take, time, could you take us through those steps? And then people might be able to hook onto it um, yeah, nice and yeah. easy. So the, so the first one is just to know the difference between an observation and an evaluation. So that's um, the. The way we we speak and use language, certainly in the UK, and I and I think in in you know in, in most um, people that I've come across and spoken to, is we we tell stories about what's actually happening. So we you know so somebody um, somebody comes into the office and um, they walk past my desk and I say hello and. And I don't get any response. Yeah. So that's that's observable. A video camera could record that. Um, other people who saw it could agree with it. Yeah, the facts of the case aren't disputed, basically. Yeah. The surface level stuff. But what I'm more likely to say or what is, God, he's in a bad mood this morning. Yeah. And... That's my assumption. I have no idea what's going on for that person. Maybe he didn't hear me. Maybe he's thinking about something else. Maybe he's got a lot on his mind. So if I go, if I make my assumption and then I go and try and talk to him and I say, hey, why are you being such a grump this morning? You know, I'm doubtful that's going to get connection. Yeah. And if he has got a lot on his mind, then, you know, that's. It's not really going to help him me coming towards him in that way. So how would you approach him in that situation? What would you what would you say, if anything, really? Uh, well, it would it would kind of depend. I might say, um, I you know I said I noticed I said hello this morning and I didn't you didn't respond. Is is everything okay? Yeah, so might, there's no assumptions you know, in there at all. Of, yeah, yeah, there's no assumptions. There's a curiosity. So curiosity is is a really kind of helpful. Um, thing to to sort of develop in yourself curiosity about myself but also about other people what what might be going for other on for other people um, okay so, so, that, so yeah. that's the first step then that, where you make an observation yeah. of what's happening but yeah. without the evaluation without the judgments without jumping to conclusions and what? that's massively powerful on its own you know yeah. if, if people listen to this podcast and then went away and thought okay well i'm just gonna i'm just gonna notice what I'm, what stories I'm telling about what's happening and how that's different from what's actually happening, that in itself is is incredibly powerful. You know, I mean, another another version of that is, um, I go out on a I go out on a, a date and I really like the person and they say they're going to phone me the next day, and the phone doesn't ring. You know, so okay, so there's the store, there's the kind of there's the observation, the phone. He said he would phone, and he ha- and the phone hasn't rung. That's uh, I don't feel any emotion emotional reaction to that. I feel quite kind of grounded um, 
saying that. But if I start telling the story to myself, oh, he doesn't like me. Yeah. Oh, oh he's not going to ring. I knew he wasn't going to ring. I thought it was going so well, but oh, oh God, oh, I must have messed it up again. I can, I can get myself into a whole complete state just by my self-talk, and it's just these, by making up stories. It's these stories that often drive our relationships as well, isn't it, really? These, Absolutely, I mean, yeah. if you look at, say, um, big conflict areas as well, even t- talking in terms of, like, geopolitics, it's, it's, often, it's often stories that people have about each other which continue to drive a conflict for generations. And I know it's just in ordinary personal relationships, these jumps to conclusions end up being the, the engine for how we interact with each other on a very angry and hurt level. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. So, and it's it's these, I mean, certainly that story that I'm telling myself in relation to the phone call, that in a way is a form of violence that I'm doing to myself. And that's where, where this idea of, of, well, I'm not a violent person, but yet, yet here I am stirring myself up into, into actually quite a painful state. Yeah. So, By so my own thinking. You're thinking violence in quite a wider sense, really, aren't you? You're thinking violence in terms of creating enemies outside, but also creating pain in the world at some level. Yes. And yes. Is, is it kind of like a, a thinking which is... Do you know when you think of violence, may, you know, you think of someone hitting someone or shooting someone or something awful like that, but is this kind of... Was Marshall Rosenberg arguing that there was almost like a continuum that we're almost preparing ourselves for that final state of violence by some of the thought processes that we have and the way we interact with each other. So they're not actual fists and bullets, but they're kind of a longer continuum that leads to that. Is that what he was saying or, or uh, taking too much out of that? Um, I, I don't think I ever heard him talk about a continuum, but certainly what you're suggesting resonates with me that um, if, you know, if, we can have an enemy image of somebody then yeah. we're much more likely further down the track to act in ways that might lead to violence yeah because you and want all... them out the way don't you really if you view them as the problem yeah. rather than that they've simply stimulated some sort of feeling and need within you and then you connect you to yourself if you're viewing them as the problem rather than noticing that you've got a need in yourself then yeah. you, the obvious answer is to remove them to eradicate them yeah and I mean, you know, another another way of, um, you know, an- another sort of way of, um, an- another example of this is when, you know, if I hear, if I hear, a, if we go back to the office um, again and, and yeah. the person that's walked in and hasn't said hello, I could get quite angry about that. You know, this this is the my, the other version of self-talk would, would be, you know, starting to call him names, getting oh, yeah. cross getting myself wound up, thinking, telling myself that I'm being ignored or disrespected or all of those things. And and I'm and I'm and I'm kind of getting angrier and angrier. And potentially that's I mean for most of us it doesn't, but but it's that kind of energy that could then lead to um something physical happening. Yeah. And I think what Marshall was saying or at least my understanding of what he was saying he's not here for me to, to check any longer he um he died um last year um is that the more of that energy we put into the world the more likely it is that it will lead to physical violence and the, the even that even that energy if, if we're 
if we're doing that in a kind of unconscious way where the energy that we're putting into our relationships is one of judgments and enemy images and um, being sort of very reactive, that it, it's not a kind of, it's, it's, I mean, I would much prefer when, when I'm a bit off color and, and I might act in ways that are not really in line with my values that somebody else would come to me and say, rather than saying, Sarah, why are you being, you know, why are you being like that today? You know, uh, uh, you're, you're upsetting everyone. What's wrong with you? You know, you're being, and starting to call me names. I'm yeah. refraining, from, refraining from using language I might normally <laughs> do. Um, um, to someone saying to me, hey, Sarah, you're not acting like yourself at the moment. Are you okay? Yeah. So I, I, would, I would love to live in a culture where that was the norm. Well, one of the one of the powerful things that I I heard him say, and I think this is at the cornerstone of it, um, and probably brings us up to the to the next couple of steps actually in the process, mm-hmm. is where he says that um, every every judgment that we hear is really what he called a tragic expression of an unmet need. In other mm-hmm. words, that person has some needs within them that have not been met, but they're expressing them in such a way that they're making it much, much harder for, for those needs to be met because it puts everybody's defences up. Um, yeah. and, and I think that's a really powerful thing when we talk about the enemy images because, I mean, like I said a moment ago, I suppose, when you have an enemy image, you, ref- you think that they're the problem. But with this whole approach that Marshall Rosenberg dev- devised, what I've found myself doing is looking within and actually connecting to the stuff that's alive in me rather than trying to pretend that the outside world is my problem and try and connect to what yeah. that unmet need is. Because often I just don't know. Sometimes when I go through this process, it takes me a while to figure out what my, what, what, what is it I'm feeling? What is it that I'm needing that's kind of underlies that, those, those feelings that I'm having? And yeah. I mean, that's been powerful for me because my lack of literacy about my feelings and my needs have themselves, I think, stopped me from getting them met. Because if I don't know what my need is, I can't, I can't, I can't try and get it met. So, what, what, what's step two? So, we've had step one, which is um, the observation. What happens then in terms of this process? Yes. So, step one is the observation, um, and the step two is to notice how I'm feeling. So, when I notice when this person walks past my desk and I say hello, and and I don't hear any response. The next step is, well, how do I feel what, when that happens? And it's, it's actually paying attention to what's going on in my body, my system. So it's, so it's very easy when we talk about feelings. I mean, you, I, I agree with you, Alan, that we, you know, we, we're not sort of very literate in terms of feelings in, in, um, in the UK. You know, we do happy and sad, and that's, a, that's true. about it. <laughs> yeah. um, but. There, there is, and or also we do, you know, we do, um, we do things like I feel as if you are being mean, right. which is just another, it's another way of telling my story. So when I'm talking about feelings, I'm, it's like, it's what can you actually feel in your in your own body? And sometimes I say that to people, and they 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 really can't feel anything in their body because we're so we're so focused on our brains and our thinking and our thoughts that we we're not tuned into our body 
and 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 some you know and for some people also it's it just is more more difficult than others so i you know i want to be careful there that that you know it's that we don't make people wrong who who can't you know who don't sense feelings easily is something that i've had to really work at but just putting your attention into your body and going well how you know how do i feel that i can name to a person that they can un- they can't argue but they're not going to argue with it because it's only about me so if i say i feel ignored then what i'm actually saying is you're ignoring me yeah and there i'm doubting that that will move towards connection whereas if i say i feel um sad or yeah. i feel um you know notice my shoulders kind of drop a little bit then that's just noticing what's going on in my system that's really interesting that you put it like that because you spoke about observing just the facts and that was like the stuff that can't be disputed and now you're yeah. talking about what's going on in your own body and again that can't be disputed and even that you know you, you're two steps into a, a conversational process where th- there's no fight to be had yeah absolutely yeah and and that's that's what we're going for really we're, we're going for well you know it, it, the more I can really speak completely from myself and, and be you know and be very clear about what what it is that's you know what it is that I'm referring to, which is the the observation, and what it is that's going on in my system. The more likely it is the other person's going to be able to hear it. So the third thing is to is to see well, where are those where are those feelings pointing? Can I just stop what, you there, what, actually, Sarah, yeah, before we move on to the third point? Because I was really I, I want to tease out something that you said that I thought was interesting as well. When you mentioned about feelings are often misinterpreted as thoughts. Um, you were saying there, weren't you, that people say things like, um, you know, what was the example I gave? I feel that you're ignoring me or something like that. Yeah. yeah. How, 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 I mean, this is something that I, I, I noticed that I, I did, especially when I first started reading the, um, the Marshall Rosenberg's book. I, I did this an, an awful lot and my lack of feelings literacy was such that I was coming up into my head, which I think is something I do anyway. Um mm-hmm. Are there any kind of tips or anything where I can catch myself going forward or any of the people listening want to try this out? Because like you're saying, we say, I feel and then go into a thought or a diagnosis Mm -hmm. rather than staying, you know, with an actual feeling, with an emotion. What can we do to just interrupt that and and get back on track? Um, Okay, so one one thing that I find really helps is just slow down. Because our brains work much faster, you know. Our thinking, our thinking brain just will kind of go click in there. That's what it's d- designed to do. So just to slow down, take a deep breath, because that helps me to kind of um, engage, engage my body and put my attention actually on my body. And just you know, so just and 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 it's 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 kind of mainly mainly the torso and the throat that the kind of most obvious places but it may be that people feel things in their hands or their legs so just just slow down stop a minute and just give i mean it's kind of mindfulness practice just give some attention to your body what what are you feeling when people say to me 
and when people say to me how you know how are you sarah um it depends who's asking but i i will uh you know what's one of the things i might say is hang on a second i'll just check right because if i say oh i'm fine or oh i actually that's that's i may be fine and that's a kind of that's a story about how i am because how i am i is for, for me how i am is right how well how am i right now in this moment and if I trust that the person really wants to know, and, and sometimes, you know, sometimes how are you is just a way of saying hello and, and people just want to hear I'm fine. And that's, you know, I can, uh, if that's what I'm guessing they want, then I'm very happy to, to sort of engage at that level. But if I really want to tell them, it takes me a minute to, to check. Yeah, that's true. And, and I'll, Sorry, go on, were you going to say more? Yeah. yeah. And I'll just take a breath and I'll just pay attention and notice. And the more the more I do that, the easier it becomes to um to notice what's going on in my body. Yeah. Notice how I'm actually feeling. I'm just thinking as you're talking there actually, what one of the one of the things that I noticed that I was doing and which was like a big step forward for me is I would I would initially start by thinking, you know, I feel such and such. But it was actually a thought. And one of the ways in which I, I was able to help myself is is to check whether that was an... Well, I suppose, yeah, let me give you an example. Let's say a friend was late. Um, if a friend was late for a, a meeting, I, I might I might feel that um, I'm being ignored, for instance. Mm-hmm. But, but in fact, that's not a feeling. And the, and the way I was able to kind of unpack that, I was thinking, well... I would try and think if people would have a different emotional reaction to being ignored depending on the situation. So, for instance, if there's someone who I don't like talking to at a party and they ignore me, I'd be quite pleased. Whereas Mm -hmm. if it was a close friend who wasn't talking to me, I'd be quite hurt. And so that kind of helped me as well as a little sort of stepping stone to think, is is a different emotional reaction to that feeling possible? Yeah. Um, because if it was, it, it probably wasn't an emotion. It wasn't an emotion. Does that make sense? I'm not sure. I, I mean, I, it may still be an emotion, but you know, and and I th- think it's really helpful to to think is is a different emotional, you know, is additional a different emotional response possible? Um, because that that kind of points to another piece, which is that you know, power, part of our emotional response is is to do with the person that we are. So somebody else in, in the same situation will, will have a completely different emotional response to me. Yeah. And from what you're describing, I might have a diff- different emotional response depending on what day it is or depending on who the person is. Sure. Depending on what's going on for me. So, you know, that's one of the, you know, another good reason for really checking. And um, one of the things that, that I do is, is so if, if I'm saying, if I'm telling myself, the story that I'm being ignored. Okay, so if I was, so if I was ignored, how how would I feel? So if I, you know, if I'm if I'm being ignored, how does that feel? So it's sort of it then that sort of helps me drop down and a, yeah. a little bit underneath that. Okay, so we've done the first two steps. We've done observation uh, without making any sort of jumps to conclusions. We've done the second one, which was feelings. You were about to dive into the third one yeah. uh, before I stopped you. So so let, let's get back on track with that one. What's the third one? Okay, well, the third one is one we've already mentioned, which is the needs. 
So what, whatever's going on for me, as I said earlier, if, if I'm assuming that everything that I do or say is an attempt to meet a need, um, that if there's any kind of, um, that, that actually at every moment, either I'm experiencing needs met or unmet. And if there's discomfort, then it's likely that, you know, there's that there's some needs that I'm kind of not in tune with in that particular moment. So the feeling will help me point to to what's the longing I have? What's this universal quality that that I'm, I'm kind of not in tune with in this moment? So with this, the, the person that's walked past my desk, if I'm feeling hurt and sad, if I'm noticing my shoulders dropping, Maybe I'm. I would really love some acknowledgement. I maybe I'd be. I'd love to be acknowledged when I say hello. Yeah. Maybe I'd really like some contact. Uh, maybe I'd really like um, communication. Maybe I'd love respect. So it's just kind of getting curious about what what would I you know what's that kind of universal quality that I would really like to experience in this moment. And why is it so important for people to, to connect with that? Because when I when I really get clear what the need is, then I'm an act, actually in a much... I, well, there's two things. One is that, actually, that it helps me to really be fully present in myself. I, you know, it's, it's like me getting really clear about what's going on. So it's no longer about this person being a bad person for not for not yeah. saying hello to me or me being a worthless person because who would want to say hello to me it's that actually you do you know what acknowledgement is really important for me so it, it firstly it, it brings me really present it helps me to come sort of really fully alive to to what is this what is this thing that's moving in me at this moment what's this this longing in me that's wanting to be uh, wanting to be met and, and seen at this moment so that's that's the first thing and I and I, I really love that that experience of being really connected with what's alive in me in that particular moment and then when I am really connected to what's alive in me that's the point when I can take action yeah so often what happens is something happens we see a problem we try and solve it and and yet we're not really we haven't really understood what the problem is because if 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 what i'm wanting is acknowledgement then i might take one action if what i'm wanting is um respect i might take a different action if what i'm wanting is contact it might be something completely different so if I miss out the, that that kind of really connecting with needs, I mean, this is a very simple example that we're working with. So, it, you know, uh, a, a, another example might sort of give more, more range in, uh, at this point of, of, of where we might go. But when I get I mean, it's like, um, you know, it, it's when when um, politicians are coming up with policy, you know, they see a problem, they want to solve the problem and what I would love is a little bit longer or, or any time at all just to kind of go, well, what, what are the, what are the needs here that are really important that we can mm. all agree on? What are the kind of universal pieces here that we'd like to have in place to, to care for the people? And let's get those in place. Let's get really connected to what's important here before we come up with strategies. Otherwise the strategies 
don't don't meet what's really important. And I guess the thing, I mean, in terms of your office example as well, by that point, I mean, you've you've kind of checked out the situation, checked out yourself, you're in touch with your needs. Yeah. But nothing's really happened in the world yet. But at, at this point of the process in terms of a, a, a process that would not, what would often happen is that people might be shouting at each other at this point and accusing each other of things and being in, in open conflict, mightn't they, if they hadn't have come down this particular process you know, if someone's kind of not responded to me, I might have gone up and said, well, what's wrong with your face today? And they might have yeah. responded and the next minute we're having a big fight and we don't like each other anymore. And But but here we've gone through three steps and yeah. nothing's happened in the world yet, but a yeah. lot's kind of happened under the surface and there's no conflict. That's right. It's all an internal, this has been an internal process. And there is there is no conflict. You're right. There's There's an absence of conflict because I'm, I'm actually just paying attention to what's going on in me. I'm, I'm doing a bit of, of self-care. I'm kind of saying, well, it's, it's important how I'm feeling right now, and I'm going to pay attention. Rather than, rather than blaming the other person and making them the bad person, I'm going to just pay attention to how's this affecting me right now? What is it that I'm really needing in this moment? And what follows the need? What do we do then? So that leads us to um, to the fourth piece, which is um, we make a request. And this is, um, you know, the, the observation, feelings and needs. That's sort of all taking me inwards to kind of connect, to, to, to get really kind of clear about what's going on for me. It's sort of helping me to, to, to really fully connect with, in myself to what's, what's alive, what's going on. The fourth step, takes me then back out to action to, to making things happen so then I, I ask for something that will take me a step closer to getting my need met and it's and it's sort of it's really important that it's something that's doable that it's kind of um, very specific and very doable right so one of the things that Marshall used to say is that you know that, that everybody really that one of our one of our key needs is contribution we we really want to contribute to other people it's you know it it makes us feel good to contribute to other mm. people and so if I can make a request of somebody that's really clear and doable then m- many times that they'll they'll want to do it because um because they you know they they would love to have an experience of contributing and if I'm asking for something very very clear then it makes it very easy for that person to say yes or indeed to say no because they they know very specifically what i'm asking for so if i if i went to this person and i said um and i and i missed out the request bit and i said well, when you walked past the desk this morning um you know i said hello and i didn't hear any response and i'm feeling a bit hurt and i'd, I'd really like some acknowledgement and if i just stop there that person will probably be, you know, going on in their own process. They'll they'll probably hear blame because I yeah. haven't asked them for anything. They'll not be sure what it is I'm looking for, and they they may feel very uncomfortable. And and they you know they might say something back. They might get defensive. They might become argumentative. All kinds of things could happen. Whereas if I say very very, um, if I ask very specifically, um. It might be something like, um, could you tell me if you heard me say hello? And then they would say, well, let's, let's, let's role play that out. Yeah, I did. I did hear you. 
Hmm. So then I'm paying attention then to what's going on in me. So I'm, and I'm noticing I'm feeling a bit puzzled. So then I might say, so I'm kind of a bit puzzled and I'd kind of like to know a little bit more. I'm curious, are you willing to tell me what stopped you saying anything back? Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Because again, you've, 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 um, again, you've, you've paused, haven't you? you I mean, I think normally, yeah. again, this is a, I can see this as a flashpoint there at that particular point where I've basically gone, yeah, I did hear you. And then in my story, it's kind of sod you, you know, that it yeah. was a deliberate, but you've, you've not gone to that place. You've instead stayed with your own puzzlement and yeah. come back to me for clarification. And I don't know, I'm thinking in terms of the role play, it might be um, I'm upset by how you spoke to me yesterday afternoon or it might be um, I'm so upset with something that happened this morning on the bus and I haven't quite recovered from it. There's a whole plethora of possibilities there, isn't yeah. there, really? And yeah. and this has prevented us from just going to one probably untrue um version of those possibilities and, and causing conflict where it's it's not needed yeah whereas I think what what happens when I say I'm puzzled and I you know and I sort of ask for a bit more you know are you willing to tell me then maybe you will be willing to tell me and maybe actually you'll either you know in that first example if there's something that happened yesterday if I if I'm able to listen to you, maybe we can sort it out. If I'm able to listen to you and listen to what your needs might be, maybe we can actually create more connection than there was even before that thing happened. Yeah, well, let's let's run with that then. So yeah, I, okay. I, I did I did hear you, and I did I didn't I didn't answer you because for the past five days I've been working on that report. I handed the report into you, and you chose not to implement. Um, my recommendations and you went with something else I'm really upset mm. so you yeah yeah it sounds like you worked um really hard on that and and you were kind of really wanting to make a contribution yeah I did and and, and you just completely ignored me so when I didn't implement those those the recommendations that you made that's that's kind of been uncomfortable for you well, it, it it's hurt. I feel as though I'm not I'm not I'm not respected here, and my opinions, even when I do work hard, well, mm. what's the point? Mm. So it's kind of really doubting whether your opinions valued when when you work hard on something, and then your recommendations aren't aren't taken on board. Yeah, that's right. Mm. It's interesting there because even just doing the role play, I I felt myself soften there. Yeah, because you're giving me a lot of empathy, aren't you? You you kind That's of right, yeah. there's no defences coming up, and uh, even in the role play, I, <laughs> I was starting to feel quite cross with you, <laughs> and then <laughs> and then you kind of you kind of hit it on the button, and and my only response was like, I don't know, I felt like I was twelve again, saying yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> But I softened. I, I didn't feel I didn't feel in conflict mode with you so much anymore. I felt as though I was being understood, and there were still some places to go. Yeah. I think in that, but I did feel myself soften inside as you did that. Is that is that a big part of the process? Do you think? Yeah, absolutely. So what I was doing there was I was rather than connecting with my own feelings and needs, I was really trying to listen out for yours. I was trying to listen out for what was important for you in in this conversation and. You were softening 
I guess because you had a sense of, of being heard and understood and, and right. your needs mattering. And I noticed that I was softening too because um, what was kind of going on for me was a sort of like, oh, you know, if only I had a conversation with you and, and explained. Um, so there was some sort of regret going on in me. So the next, you know, so that so the next stage would perhaps have been me, me sharing honestly what was going on for me. Yeah, one of the things I noticed when when you were kind of you no, know, when you first were puzzled and and came back to the person and said, you know, I'm I'm curious as to you know why that happened, then why you didn't say hello. Um, yeah, it was almost like an invite to place my own vulnerabilities out there on the table, and yeah. I wonder actually just that, just thinking in terms of it in in those terms because. You know, in, in terms of social situations, there's a there's a lot of kind of baggage, isn't there, which keeps us disconnected from each other, you know, a lot of fear and stuff. Mm-hmm. And these invites to put our vulnerabilities out there, is that something is that is that something that is, is dangerous in any situation? I can imagine some people who are listening thinking, Well, that's all well in practice, but I could never put my Yeah, I, I, is what I'm thinking. We had a primatologist on the show going back a, a few episodes. And one of the things he said about empathy was the thing the thing that's interesting about humans, he said, we're so we're so caring and we, we, we have this kind of kindness. And that's because we have empathy. But he also said the flip side of that is that we have this immense cruelty um, that can be practiced as well. And it's for the exact same th- same reason that we have empathy. So in other words we can we can hear what somebody really needs and what somebody doesn't like. And so we can ensure that we avoid the thing that they don't like and give them what they need. Or someone might say, um, you know, this is something that's hurtful for me. And if we want to take advantage, we can actually use that almost like ammunition. So what I suppose what I'm getting to there is seeing as empathy is at the, at the heart of this and part of it is actually... Mm enticing from the other person what it is they're feeling and needing it's quite a vulnerable thing are there any situations where that would feel kind of a dangerous thing to do or even a daft thing to do I won't do that in this situation because I'm I'm going to leave myself too vulnerable yeah well like any any kind of um any tool can be um used you know used in ways that are that are um you know our, our intention may be good but that you know but what what happens might go in a, in a different direction or we may use it in a particular way because we want to um cause the other person pain and and i and i just want to say about that is that if i if i want to cause another person pain it's it's a, just another attempt to meet a need so i you know i want to kind of remember that that's underneath it too so for example um sometimes i want somebody else to hurt because i'm hurting so badly i really want them to understand the level of pain that i'm in so i will go out of my way to try and cause hurt as a way to get empathy actually so i I just want to sort of add that in that that's really interesting i'd I'd like to come back to that in a moment sarah once you finish your thought so the other thing about about vulnerability is that um this is one of the reasons I would always make a guess about what I'm hearing as an invitation. So, or, or, um, or I would share something about myself first. So I, I can remember being um, with friends, um, walking up a hill, and I, I'd been having a really, really difficult time. 
and um and they knew and we'd been talking about it but we hadn't talked about it for a while and then one of them said to me how are you feeling and I would not respond because they were not sharing any vulnerability they were asking me Mm. to be vulnerable without sharing any vulnerability whereas if they'd said I noticed that you're you know you haven't said anything for a while and I'm and I'm wondering I'm wondering how you're doing right now Mm. That vulnerability of, of sharing, just just that tiny bit of vulnerability means that they've te- they've made that vulnerable step first or a bit. I mean, even asking me how I am is, is you know, that's a, that's a little bit of vulnerability, but this is a little bit more. Yeah. So I feel a little bit more inclined to to share my vulnerability. So that's one thing is to is, you know, if I can share a bit of vulnerability first, the other person's more likely to share their vulnerability but I, I was I was actually thinking of a slightly different situation whereby, I mean, you might not be in a friendly situation. It might be yes. there's some sort of dynamic going on, and it might be it might be institutionalized. You know, it might be like mm-hmm. a, a a worker with their boss, or it might even be where one person is is in some sort of abusive dynamic. Um, you know, if if that's the case, for example, let's say I'm I'm going to use the label just because I can't think of anything else mm-hmm. to to use. But let's say a person is being bullied by somebody. How to to go to a bully, for instance, and say what you're doing is really, um, you know, I, I notice that you're doing this, and um, I feel really hurt and upset, um, and I have a need to to be free of conflict mm-hmm. or whatever it is that you come up with. But to actually admit to the person who is causing you pain that that's what they're doing. Could that actually put you in a more vulnerable position? Would it? Would you recommend not using it in certain circumstances like that, or would you say that it would actually bring a beneficial result to do that? Do you, do you know what I mean? Are you actually too yeah. vulnerable to use it with certain people? Yeah, um, I would. I would. Um, I would say. I mean, it's going to be different for everybody in in every circumstance. But there are certainly I would always I would always use the the mindset, and I might not always do it out loud. Yeah. So for in that example, I might go home and just pay attention to my own feelings and needs, and see what see what requests I come up with. So for example, I might get to actually I really need some support, so I'm going to go and talk to somebody else at work about it right or you know I, you know I, I really need some some space so actually I'm gonna take the day off work tomorrow and and go and talk to a friend about it or go and see my doctor so or it might be I'm in a situation where um somebody's very angry with you know somebody's very angry and their anger is it seems to be directed towards me and actually I think if I try I saying anything out loud you know I'm worried about about the impact mm. of that what I can do is I can silently guess wow I wonder if that you know he's he seems so angry I wonder if he's really needing to be heard right now yeah because even that can it makes a difference in in me and even if I'm not saying anything that that sort of energetically that is somehow experienced by me and other people in the space and it does make a difference 
And it's interesting what you said there, because I'd, I'd lost sight of that, actually. Um, when you're in a dynamic with someone, the request that you come up with isn't necessarily of them, because you were making a request of yourself, or you were yeah. making a request of some support from a friend. And yeah. So that's a really interesting point, isn't it, that the request isn't necessarily a request of the person you're in a dynamic with. It could be a request of yourself or somebody else. Yes, absolutely, yeah. Going back to what you said about, you said if someone is trying to hurt another person, then they're trying to get an, a need met. Mm. What kind of, because I wanted to talk about this, I wanted to talk about when we get to the labels um, that that we use, there are certain people in society you know, who, do, who commit certain amounts of crimes or certain types of crimes in particular, or people who abuse others or are cruel, or um, people, for instance, you know, from... From what I see in terms of the, the news media where I see people who have power and seem to be using it against other people or seem to seem to be behaving in a way that I would label as quite callous and mean-spirited. Mm. or And you even see, uh, I remember Marshall Rosenberg on one of his videos speaking about, you know, he, he went to like war, war-torn places and, and heard stories of the most horrific things that people had done to each other. What kind of needs are being met there and how can we understand that kind of cruelty in a sense of somebody meeting their own need? How, how would that meet their own need? Yeah, this, and I notice when, when you're raising this topic, you know, I notice a sort of a, a feeling, a, a kind of slightly kind of um, nervous feeling um, because this is, you know, this is such a kind of... Um, emotive topic uh for me and for and for many other people Mm. that there are you know there are many people in in our in the world that we live in today there are many people who are doing things that result in massive hurt yeah you know for for thousands of people if not millions of people um and it can be you know i i feel nervous about talking about that in terms of in terms of seeing their humanity, because because that's very very challenging for some people, and and um, my story is that it can be heard that I'm being soft. Right. Um, so yeah, so hence my kind of nervousness, and I'm kind of wanting to to, to share that first. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, one of the things that 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 comes up for me about about sort of how to explain this is i i really do i I really do believe that everybody that we are always trying to get our needs met in the best way that we know how in that moment and for various reasons either through our personal lives or because of the culture that we're raised in we develop certain strategies so if I've had a very, uh, you know, if I've had a very, I mean, I mean, a typical one is that um, my, I believe that many people who are um, who abuse children have suffered some kind of abuse themselves. So they're not coming from a, a from a, a healthy upbringing where they've experienced getting their needs met and having their needs respected and mattering. And so it's difficult for them to develop healthy strategies because they've never been, they've not experienced 
um, healthy strategies. They've not had experienced having their needs cared for. And, you know, I, I don't know what their needs are, but I'm really confident that they are trying to meet their needs. Mm. It does not make what they are doing okay. Of course. And, yeah. and that's, you know, I want to make that really clear. I'm not suggesting that we, we accept any of these behaviours. What I am suggesting is that we, we, it's for me, it's really important that I open my heart to any of these people. And, and I want to say something else about that. Um, any kind of solution which has a kind of us and them and us and them in it is, is in my opinion, is not is not going to work. So my example about that is if the Occupy movement that was sort of um, quite well publicised a few years yeah. ago, they, they talked about the ninety nine percent. They talked about representing the 99% of people. Yeah. But they were excluding the 1% who they, I think the idea was that the 1% were the people that were sort of holding the, uh, the, the most money and power. Yeah. Any kind of movement where there's an us and them, even if it's as many as 99%, it, it's, it's, I, I can't see how that's really going to solve things because it's excluding somebody and then, so then the 1% will come back and there's an opposition. I would love to see us looking at how can we, how can we include the 100%? How can we find solutions that include the abusers and include the people who are, you know, are in power? Um, and again, that, you know, those solutions would, would, we would need to address you know how do we manage people whose behaviors are so extreme that they're causing damage so you know it's not about saying okay we'll let everybody off and let's let's all live in utopia i don't you know i i know we don't live in utopia um but how do we you know how can we see their humanity and treat them as human whilst also protecting the hundred percent which includes protecting them. Yeah, it's re- I think it's really interesting what you're saying because this is, and maybe it's because I've been reading this stuff that I'm I'm kind of, I suppose I'm kind of travelling a, a, a similar road in terms of the questions I'm asking because what I see um, when people engage politically is is language which I would consider really, really harsh and very dehumanising language you know, um, people refer to as scum and things like that because mm. because people have a difference of opinion and, and all that sort of stuff. And I'm I'm increasingly feeling very uncomfortable with that. Um, but I wonder I wonder what if we can kind of refashion those sort of movements. What what would they look like? That's diff- this might be a really tough question actually because I know you're yeah. kind of thinking <laughs> out loud. But well, I'm I'm curious what that would look like, which where it was able to still put forward requests for its own need for justice. Mm. But also as well I think I think part of the part of the problem there is that when requests like that are are made um what's my best way of putting this? When those sorts of requests are made and then the other person says no, as they may well do and often do um historically, you know what where, where do you go from that particular point of view 
Is it a case of continuing dialogue? Because, I mean, I'm, I'm more from a trade union background and people mm. in my tradition would argue that you you get what you've you, you get your victories from actually having a battle and winning but of course that's very violent language isn't it it's a, mm. it's it's the kind of um it's the kind of sort of language and mindset that i would like to move away from but at the same time i suppose something stares within me that makes me feel reluctant to move away from it because what if then people really suffer because we're not prepared to to win those victories, I suppose. That's a yeah. really long-winded way of, of asking it, but you get where I'm coming from, I think. Just let me clarify, Alan, what, sure. which request are you talking about? Oh, let's say, for instance, um, you spoke of the Occupy movement. So let's say that was yeah. at a time of austerity where um, a lot of money was was given to to bankers and, and stuff like that and to the banking sector and a lot of a lot of people on the ground their 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 conditions of life were being were being limited and restricted and being and the services that they depended on were cut. So let's say for instance there was a request for um a more equitable distribution of resources. Let's say that was the request mm. and those people who currently have those resources hear the request and say no. Where where do we kind of go from there? Because I, I notice a temptation in me to go right. All right, let's let's yeah. try and force that, but yeah. then that's inherently kind of violent, isn't it? Because there's all yeah. compulsion involved and punishment and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and you and it and it's it's such a big question that you're asking, and it's and it's not one that's got a a, a simple answer because I, I you know I, I think to some degree we don't. I mean, the, the, a very simple answer is, and this this is. Marshall used to talk about hearing the yes behind the no. Okay. So, what does that mean? Behind any no, well, behind any no, whether it's whether it's a corporation or a small child, the person is saying yes to a need affairs. I see. So, if I can hear the yes behind the no, I and I can keep connecting with needs, I can stay in dialogue. So I, I think that so the, the the short answer is to stay in dialogue, to stay in dialogue around needs or a needs based dialogue. Oh, I would oh, really like yeah, to mention on, sorry, um, somebody, a, a, a woman called Mickey Kashtan. Um, so that's Mickey M I K I and Kashtan K A S H T A N, and she has done quite a considerable amount of thinking about about the sort of the overview of, of systems and power and privilege. Um, and she's written two books. Um, I mean, she's a, she's a, a MVC trainer, but she also goes beyond MVC and works with, with um, the bigger picture of nonviolence. Wow, okay. She's written a book, and, and in one of her books, she's, she's written some um, stories in which she um, imagines the future. So she's she's written about some how things might work in an imaginary future if we were able to transition from the kind of system and structures and communication that we have now into a new way of um, a new way of seeing things. Um, and that book's called Reweaving Our Human Fabric. I'll put that in the show notes so yeah. people can access that. Reweaving Our Human Fabric. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just having a couple of thoughts while you're while you're talking there as well. In terms of trying to identify the need that someone who's very powerful might have, 
So, um, and I've come up with a couple of things. I'll, I'll put them out just in case people find them valuable. Mm-hmm. I'm a football supporter, and so when my team is winning 2-0, I don't think, well, that's enough, because I'm fearful that the other team might score a goal and then we might not win the game. So I'm yeah. thinking, come on, 3-0, 4-0, keep scoring. And yeah. I, I wonder whether there's a need in those who are, who, who seem extremely wealthy and, and, and want to cling on to that wealth, whether whether they've got that same mentality that I have when I'm watching my football team, come on, let's get more. Because when I think about it in those terms, I think, well, if my football team didn't win the match, it's, it, there's nothing really at stake. But to lose one's wealth is is something which is a really bad thing to happen the way our society's organised. So it, it gives me a sense of understanding when I think of it like that, that someone yeah. might actually be fearful of being punished by being in a situation of poverty themselves. Yeah. I you know I absolutely agree that that yes you know if we if we can understand what their needs are then it 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 can shift things a little bit and that the, what I'm seeing what I'm beginning to understand more and more now is that this that um it makes a difference how I hold a person it makes a difference you know if I if I dedicate my life to to developing my mindset and being more compassionate and trying to understand and connecting that makes a difference that that can impact on everyone I come into contact with um and if I want real change to happen for everybody then I want to look at well how can we look at the systems how can we look at the systems that are operating that holding people so how can I bring my um knowledge to work with organisations, groups, um, politicians, people in power, so that I can support those that those groups to shift their mindset, because that has a bigger impact. So that that's kind of where I, what I'm curious about. And I, you know, if if um, you know, I'd, I'd really love to to interact or hear from anyone who's kind of interested in how can I shift my organisation's consciousness. Um, so that I can bring this to to my whole organisation and to all of the people that we're interacting with. So that's where I'm seeing um, uh, where I'd love to focus because I, I have more confidence of that making a bigger change for more people. So how can people get in touch with you if they want to take you up on that offer, Sarah? Uh, well, can you put, put my details? Absolutely. In? I'll put them in the show notes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll be to hear from anyone I, I, I'm kind of really looking now for it for situations where I can um, begin working with organizations or companies or groups to um, to sort of bring a bring a, a larger change and, and when there's a group of people who want to do something together then that creates that creates more energy and it, you know it's easier for them to practice because there, there's a sort of a shared um, commitment and, and a shared sort of seeing of of how this can benefit that particular group or organization i i just want to ask you one final question it's my own personal curiosity because i've been enjoying watching and reading marshall rosenberg and the way i always describe him to people is it's kind of like robert de niro was doing therapy you know because he (laughs) he has that kind of craggy robert de niro type face he's got a little bit of mischief in his eyes he's he's kind of humorous but also very very sharp. I'm giving him lots of labels here, so I'm, mm. <laughs> you, you know, I'm, I'm probably doing this wrong. 
But, um, you know, I'm, that's my kind of picture of him that I would paint to other people like Robert De Niro doing therapy. But you actually trained with him. So just a personal curiosity. What was it like to train with him in person? Oh, um, well, when I think, you know, when I think about him, I just, you know, I just get a really strong, you know, I feel really so much warmth and love. Yeah. Um, his capacity for compassion and, and just meeting people where they were was just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't really know what to say. Um, you see that on the videos, actually. He's yeah. doing a role play with someone and then it really matters and you see him just shift and he's there with them and it's, it's a wonderful thing to see. Yeah. But also I mean, a very funny man as well. Very funny and, um, yeah, and, uh, yeah, very, very kind of dry. You know, there's <laughs> uh, there's so many stories, you know, that are kind of coming up. I mean, he, he, he did, he was very dedicated to social change. He wanted to create big change. Um, and he also did very personal, intimate work. So he role-played both my mum and my dad at different at different points. Oh, wow. Um, and, that, and that was, you know, that was incredibly touching. Um, yeah, and I, I'm, I'm so grateful for having, being able to spend time with him because he was, I mean, he looks, he looked so kind of, um, you know, ordinary and yet he was, uh, just to spend time with him was, uh, I'm, I'm, such such a gift to have had that opportunity and so deeply inspiring well it's been a gift as well to have your time as well sir and i'm aware we're, we're coming up to our our deadline yeah. i'm aware you've got another appointment as well and you'd like some lunch which seems a reasonable yeah. enough request doesn't it <laughs> so thank you very I much need, <laughs> but yeah thanks very much it's been an absolute pleasure i could have carried on talking to you for another hour it's been that fascinating um, but yeah, thanks for your time and thanks for enlightening us on uh, non-violent okay. communication. My pleasure. I, I really would love uh, more people to know about it. So thank you for the opportunity. Well, your details will be in the show notes. So hopefully people will be in touch in order to find right. out some more. And you run courses for individuals as well, don't you? Which I'm sure you'll see me at pretty soon. I do. Yeah, that's right. And I'm happy to be invited places as well. So um, if you'd like a course in Liverpool, then yeah, invite me down. Okay, that's fantastic. So th thanks again, Sarah. Take care. Thanks, Alan. So a big thank you to Sarah Ludford for sharing her time and knowledge on the subject of non-violent communication. Now, I'm really eager to hear your thoughts about this topic, and I'd love it if you felt able to put the four steps into practice and then let me know how it goes. Remember, those four steps, again, are to observe without judgment, to notice your own feelings, to identify the unmet needs or desires beneath those feelings, and finally to make a specific request that's aimed at getting those needs met. So if you try that out, please do get in touch. I'm really, really interested. Tell me how things change for you as a result and share to what was challenging and maybe we'll come back to this topic in a later show. And to finish off, I'm gonna practice the same thing with you. So I'm gonna make a specific request of you because I'm noticing that I'd like more listeners for this podcast and for all of my lovely guests. So here's my request to you. If you enjoyed today's show, would you be willing to share this show with your friends and contacts on social media? And would you be willing to, to head on over to iTunes and give the show a lovely five-star review? Both of those would really help meet my need for support and my need 
for contributions. So thanks in advance if you choose to do that. Also, of course, you can make sure that you never miss a show again simply by subscribing. You'll find all the details as well as today's show notes over at alanparry.com where you'll find all of my past shows and my blog writings too. And of course, in the show notes where you can contact Sarah as well. Now, this show goes out every other Tuesday, so make a note in your diary. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you then.